You're listening to Go Luxury Cruiser, a podcast produced for the seasoned traveler looking for once-in-a-lifetime experience. Join our community of luxury travelers who enjoy listening to information about trending destinations, updates on cruise lines, and VIP access to curated cruise experiences. And now, here are your hosts, Tamoy Thalwell and Chris DeBonis. All right. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, this is Chris from Go Luxury Cruiser. And with me, as always, is Tamoy. Tamoy, how are you? I am well. I know it's been a little while since we recorded our, our last That's podcast, great. but I'm happy to announce we're back on schedule. We have the amazing uh, Mark Armbruster. He's been on with us a, a few times and um, he's actually going to be in our regular rotation. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing great, Tamoy. Glad to be here as usual. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I know uh, you're going to be talking about you're, you're an avid cruiser. I would say you're an avid cruiser and yep. we have a lot of great things for you planned in the future. But you have been on a few cruises, a handful of cruises, actually, yep, in the last. Of- yeah. In the last, uh, what, six to 12 months, six months since July. I've been on three of them, uh, three different ships, three different lines. Yeah. What, you know, well, I love that news because. You know, as we all know, we're all dealing with this whole COVID um, mm-hmm. situation. And unfortunately, cruising has gotten a bad name or has gotten, you know, bad reputation. Uh, but you are living testimony that it is actually safe. And you've been on three cruises in the last um, six months, like you said. What, what was the last cruise that you've been on? Well, I just got off of the Sky Princess a couple of weeks ago down there in Port Everglades. That was uh, Eastern Caribbean sailing round trip out of Fort Lauderdale, which of course is Port Everglades. Uh, and we visited Princess Key, Nassau, uh, Puerto Plata over in the DR and Grand Turk. Uh, from what I gathered, we were one of the very first vessels to return to the Turks and Caicos. Oh, and how was it? Like, how was the experience? Oh, fantastic. Um, we, I've got a lot to say about all of the ports, uh, 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 both uh, Princess Key, uh, the DR and Grand Turk were new ports to me. Uh, so it was, uh, I, I, for that matter alone, I was very excited to be able to visit new islands, just like I did in uh, November when I was on Norwegian's Encore. Uh, and there we visited the US and British Virgin Islands, as well as Great Stirrup Key, which is Norwegian's private island. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, it was about two weeks ago that I got off the Sky Princess, and it was my first time using Port Everglades. Now, Port Everglades, as you probably all know, is uh, the port of Fort Lauderdale, right next to Fort Lauderdale International Airport. So when it comes to the pure convenience factor, it just does not get any better than that. Uh, Chris, you might know better than I, but I don't think there's a single port in the States that has the airport right there. Uh, Baltimore, I don't think Baltimore or Houston, well, what's the the port for, for, for Texas, Galveston? And I don't think New Orleans or Tampa or certainly not Orlando uh, have have anything like Port Everglades accessibility. Yeah, now, um, uh, I always tell people when you're sailing out of Fort Lauderdale, the the one great thing about sailing out of Fort Lauderdale is that everything's close. It's yep. quick. It's easy. Um, you can totally get there super fast. And so I tell people. Don't buy the $40 transfer from the cruise line. It's ridiculous. Just go downstairs, get on an Uber or get on a cab. And you yep. are literally probably, gosh, at the farthest flung place on Fort Lauderdale, you're probably 
two miles yeah. from the airport. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's about it's maybe about I'll, I'll say three just to be a pessimistic <laughs> distance. And that's how close you are. I mean, yeah. um, I drive by it every day. So oh, yeah. you're super close. Yeah, it's, it's yep. great. Um, I love Fort Lauderdale. I think they've got their act together. They've handled everything better uh, than really mostly. Yeah, they they're they're really doing a good job, and the accessibility and the way the ships are laid out. Mm -hmm. Also, parking is mm -hmm. close. Yeah, you know, I've heard that. That that that's true. I've heard that, and it's also less expensive and and maybe even more secure than what you might have at Port Miami. Yeah, I would I would say uh, secure. And then they do a good job, like if for whatever reason your ship is a little bit further away from your, the you know, the parking space, you, there's shuttles that frequent, you know, mm -hmm. it's really, it's really a good port to cruise. It's, yeah. you know, I think the second largest cru uh, cruise port out of uh, second to Miami. I Actually, I want to say that I think, and I may be wrong and I absolutely comment in the, if I'm wrong, but I think. Fort Lauderdale holds more ships than Miami does. Maybe. There's 26 berths oh, in yeah. my in Fort Lauderdale. I, I could be uh -huh. wrong, but I'm I'm just trying to think. I'm I trying think to map it out right. in my head. Yeah. No, you're right because it's a the, big there's port. The, yeah, there's the the, the 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 entry into the port is very, very small. It's not a it's not a long channel like you have with Miami. And uh, as soon as you get, as soon as you pass the causeway and you're in, uh, you've got what lay, what's laid out like, um, like uh, grids, uh, different uh, large slots and the different cruise lines have their terminals. Now, Princess operates out of terminal two in the Port Everglades, which is right there by the entrance into the port. Uh, also, and this was to my surprise, when I stayed at Port, I stayed at the Renaissance Inn, which is right there by the port entrance, and across the street was Terminal 2. So as soon as I got into my hotel room on January the 6th and opened the window, I'm looking at the bow of the Regal Princess. And that's a, that to me, that's, a, that's, that's an impressive sign that Princess chose their location in the port very, very well. So how was the, um, you know, how was it, how was the experience from getting to port from the port to the ship? How was all of that? What'd you do? Okay. Well, it, it was my first time using Port Everglades. So uh, what we did was hired an Uber, not an Uber, a Lyft that uh, it, it was a little bit confusing uh, on the on the app on where the testing would be done. Uh, it turns out the testing, the, the pre-cruise COVID testing done through the app was done at the, at the Princess Terminal itself, but the app didn't the medallion app didn't indicate that. So that was a slight snafu that I think Princess uh, is a, a simple fix in their app. Uh, anyhow, um, the terminal, it's it's a functional building. It does, I don't think any of the terminal buildings from what I saw at Port Everglades are quite as flashy as what you have at Port Miami. Uh, I, I might be wrong with the celebrity building that celebrity built for the edge or what Royal built right next to celebrity for the Oasis of the Seas and the Harmony of the Seas. Uh, but uh, princesses, it's functional, uh, but it doesn't quite have the flash like the like the Miami terminals did. But nonetheless, um, the testing was done in the customs and immigration area, much like what Norwegian does at their new terminal in Miami. So you stand in the line. Um, they do the, the, the test, uh, it, you know, a couple of swirls with the long Q-tip in each nostril, and then you sit in an area and you wait. And um, 
once the the, the tests come back as negative, then they uh, escort you uh, past the line for everyone else that's in the general boarding uh, to the line, uh, the green line, I think it is what they called, and you check in. And once you're checked in, you're, you're, you get to board the ship immediately. Uh, so the check-in process, uh, it had a little bit of clunkiness to it. And I think that's merely because the maybe protocols and the way things are done at the port change constantly. And with uh, Omicron being at its height, I think the, the port staff may have been a little understaffed. Uh, so that that's the only thing I can think of. Otherwise, uh, we were able to board the ship pretty quickly. Uh, we were, uh, from testing to boarding, it was under an hour and a half, uh, which was certainly faster than Norwegian did it. Oh, so... I know you said you did testing there. Was there, was there, did you have the option to test prior and just provide a, a negative test or? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you So long as you test no later than 48 hours prior, you just bring the, uh, you bring the, the verification of a negative COVID with you and you don't have to test there at the port. Um, with us living in Ohio, flying down two days prior to Fort Lauderdale and uh, testing at your local CVS or, or Quest Diagnostics, just simply not an option. Um, we just, I just elected just to do it at the port the day of embarkation. And, and I knew going into it that if I tested positive, although I could not have imagined why, uh, I knew it would be game over for us and we wouldn't be able to go on the sailing. So I was already mentally prepared that that could happen. Right. I guess, I guess so there's pros and cons because uh, if you do it two mm-hmm. days prior, if you're able to, and you, for whatever reason, Mm-hmm. get a false positive you'd have an mm-hmm. extra day to you know do a rapid test but but right. glad you were able to get on so uh you were mm-hmm. on the sky princess right that is correct and uh for, was, was this your first time sailing with princess the very first time sailing with princess now uh i was going to hold this particular cruise to a higher standard because princess is considered a premium cruise line and in the premium space you've got um holland america princess disney and Celebrity, and then over in Europe, Piano Cruises and Cunard, uh, and also Idea or Aida over in Germany, I think is what it's called. So those are those are the, the more the more premiumly priced cruises. So I was going to hold this particular sailing to a higher standard. Now I had already been on several Norwegian and Royal Caribbean cruises, which of course are mainstream. And the experience with both of those lines left me so impressed that I thought they blurred the lines between a mainstream sailing like you might find on MSC or Carnival versus uh, a more premium experience like you'd find on the Sky Princess. Uh, So uh, we boarded the ship and the first thing I noticed uh, when you enter the atrium is there's an understated elegance everywhere. There's a lot of soft hues, light browns are everywhere. The atrium has a lot of gold, but not flashy gold, just a very beautiful ornate gold, beautiful blue and white crystal chandeliers hanging from the ceiling and um, matching glass work surrounding the different floors over uh, where the opening is overlooking the atrium and a beautiful terracotta floor there in the atrium itself. So the the color pattern really impacted me. It's very soothing, very relaxing, very understated elegance. Uh, to me, that bespoke, this is not your average cruise experience. This is going to be a premium experience, folks. And you are here to be pa- taken well, very well care of, which is of course exactly what happened on the ship. Nice. Well, it sounds like Princess uh, definitely, you know, took, I guess, 
to, with, com, you know, compared to Soleri and the Edge mm-hmm. and the new ships, they obviously with the with mm-hmm. the new Sky Princess had to mm-hmm. elevate their, you know, their um, decor and the experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear to hear mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, Princess is has, has a is a nod towards the more traditional style of cruising, which where a celebrity is very contemporary, very Instagrammable, and of completely different vibe, at least from what I'm gathering from what I've seen of the edge. And I've taken a good look at both the edge as well as the, um, the sister ship, uh, the, oh, the name is apex. Uh, I saw both apex. of them up close. Yeah. The apex was in port at the day we sailed out and we were by the edge several times, uh, both on Royal, I'm sorry, with uh, the Norwegian sailing. And then also now with the sky princess sailing. Uh, it, so it, those are completely different, cruising style experiences, though they're both in the premium market. Uh, But for the folks that are looking for the classic understated elegance of of a regal cruising experience, Princess certainly delivers. Chris, what are your, uh, what's your, what's your thoughts on what, um, what he's saying about the Sky Princess? I know you sailed uh, a lot of times with uh, Princess back in your day. I know you've been on the love boat. I, I actually did work on the love boat. The Well, there were two love boats. It was the Island Princess were- and the Pacific Princess um, <laughs> that they used in the show. And I've been on both of them. The original um, ones. Yeah. And I, here's what I'm going to say about Princess. I, I have a very soft spot in my heart for Princess because um, they, they do uh, – talk to a time of the more traditional cruising and uh and what you expect and the sky princess is a beautiful ship Um, and i do say that if you go on there um once again the the advisor in me wants to say make sure if you go on that you pick up the add-ons like the 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 drinking pack the the beverage packages and all that because because I think that Princess, although they have these beautiful ships, one thing I always advise is don't get caught up in, oh my gosh, I got on board for this very, really great price, but now they're finally offering uh, a more inclusive package because mm-hmm. I always, and and my thing is I want my people to come on board mm-hmm. and enjoy their thing. Not worry about is my Diet Coke four dollars and 95 cents and water six dollars and all that so um i definitely think that princess is is stepping up their game and they're they're coming into that thing where they're offering these inclusive experiences which is what i which which makes traveling so much more of a vacation and not mm-hmm. a oh my gosh how much money like you always have the cash register going in your head so um, I think the Sky Princess and all of the new boats that Princess have come out with, sorry, ships, um, look amazing. They look yep. great. I love the Skywalks. I love, they've done a lot mm-hmm. of innovative stuff. The, right. uh, the, the suites are great. The cabins are great. I, I enjoyed yep. it. Now, uh, let me ask you this. On Sky Princess, I'm, I, I don't think I've toured Sky Princess yet, but I have mm-hmm. been on the her sister ship. Um Tell us about the specialty dining. Did you go okay. into any of the specialty dining? Obviously, yes. Sabatini's is there, where yep. I always joke that they feed you like you're a baby bird when you're in there. You know, they <laughs> just keep coming by. It's like yep. 42 courses, and then uh, you get a, a main meal at the end. After they feed you for an hour, Tamoy, mm-hmm. they literally come by and say, 
okay, here's your main course. You've been yep. eating for an hour. Reminds me of my grandmother's house. Mm -hmm. so, and that's exactly all about Sabatini. Like, love it. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly what Sabatini's was like. The ship has three specialty dining venues, not including the chef's table. And I don't think the chef's table was operational uh, because of capacity. The ship was at under 50% capacity. But there are Sabatini's, which of course is the Italian restaurant, um, Crown Grill on deck six, and then Bistro Sulemer, which is the French slash seafood restaurant, also on deck six. Um, it's, and it's uh, separated by the sushi bar, which is in the middle overlooking the, the central atrium. Uh, we attempt, we tried to get into the Crown Grill, but that was completely booked. Uh, we tried from like the third night on and uh, that was, there was just no availability, but there with the, the first full night at, at, um, at the, the day after we sailed out of NASA, we ate at Sabatini's and both Michael and I agree that was the best specialty restaurant of all of the ones we have tried. And we've tried several on the Norwegian ships as well as on the Royal Caribbean ships. Uh, we were so impressed. Um, I'm guessing that the Crown Grill would have left us equally spellbound. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it just wasn't an option for us. So lesson learned is if you're sailing on Princess, you must try a specialty restaurant, but you need to book the one you want as soon as you uh, embark on the, as soon as you uh, board the vessel, or if you can do it pre-book uh, prior to boarding. 100%. If you could book it either on the first day or even better yep. prior to even yep. boarding. Um, yep. And, and yep. Chris, Chris is usually good. You know, we book a lot of clients. He usually gets that mm -hmm. all taken care of for, um, you know, but that's, that's cool that I, I've never tried Sabatini. So now you I should. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, you really should. It's an excellent, it's uh, Italian style dining. So where Chris said, you know, 42 courses, I think it's actually 43 courses before they even provide you the main entree. Uh, and uh, it's, um, it's a wonderful tour of what Italy has to offer. And it's more, I think, uh, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but it appeared to me to be more classic Italian style, both Northern Italian and Southern Italian, not American Italian eating. No, no, uh, no. It's, yeah. Well, here's the thing with Princess is, I, I don't know if you know, but most of the officers and all of them are, are all Italian descent. Yes. So, yep. um, so if you're going to serve Italian food, it, it, they're usually held to a pretty high standard. A lot of the food service management and all that are all Italian. So, um, so a lot of the input you're going to get on board is going to come there. So right. you're going to see a lot of uh, authentic uh, native Italian food. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I remember... Gosh, I, I've, I've eaten in Sabatini's a bunch of times. And, and mm -hmm. one, after you do it a couple of times, you start to really kind of game it out before you go in there because you're like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to eat this, but not this. Get the bread away from me because mm -hmm. I got to save room for down the road when they bring the shrimp and yep. all that. And, and then they literally bring you a rack of lamb or a steak or a veal. Mm -hmm. It depends on whatever. I think I had, I ended with lobster all the time because it was the lightest of the, the choices. So, uh, but I will say well, this, you talked about the crown grill mm -hmm. and I will say that as a steakhouse on board the ships, um, that is definitely a top shelf experience worth mm -hmm. every bit of the 45 or $50 they charge uh, to go on board to mm -hmm. do that. Um, mm -hmm. They bring out the, the tray, you pick the steak that you want them to cook and they cook mm -hmm. that one. Um, just do me a favor. To, and this is no offense to my uh, European friends, but please don't 
well done, your filet mignon. Don't oh. do it. Not in front of me. No. I can't handle it. They do no, it no. to you. No, the you right know, way. They, yeah, yeah, the right way to have a steak is medium rare. Well, yeah. And and unfortunately, no one told that to uh, some of my uh, friends from uh, abroad when we would go in there and eat a, do a crew dinner in there. They would they would they would butterfly and well done the filet and it was crazy. Oh, no. So if you go to the oh. Crown Grill and you spend the money, medium right. rare, I'll I'll let you go to medium. But after that, I'm going to need to see a note from a doctor saying you can't have it. Oh, I agree. I, I 100% agree. Now, uh, the funny you should mention the cost, the costing to actually eat at the Crown Grill wasn't $45. It was less than that. Uh, I, I don't remember what it was offhand, but I noticed uh, eating in the specialty dining, if, even if you were eating a la carte on the princess vessels, was lower than on the mainstream, the mainstream equivalents. I think they've reduced it a little bit because of the lower, you know, that there's less availability and all that because... Oh. The Crown Grill used to be more money. I think they've reduced the price because um, because of whatever for whatever reason. Maybe they're just trying to make it a little bit more attractive. Um, but uh, I will say this: that really, I mean, on on Princess, any of the specialty dining is worth it. And it, yep. and what's nice, and the other thing they've done is, depending on where the ship is and what mm -hmm. type of ship it is. There's mm -hmm. different restaurants available. So there's right. there's a Cajun place on some of the ships. There's a, and and on the big boats, they tend to have a lot of um, they tend to have a lot of uh, choices. Mm -hmm. Well, this is uh, I, I was certainly spoiled for spoiled for choice. Um, one of the here's what we did as soon as we we boarded the ship. Our rule is let's go eat. Uh, so we were on deck 14 and the buffet was on deck 16. So uh, we could go to our cabin as soon as we boarded. So that was nice. We could offload our stuff and I'll, and I'll describe um, how impressed I was with the cabin shortly. But uh, we went upstairs to the buffet. It used to be called, I think, the Horizon Court. And now I think it's called World Market Fresh or correct me if I'm wrong, something like that. Um, here's where I think Princess stumbled a little bit. Uh, I was so impressed by the efficiency and the quantity of choice on Norwegian's Encore that I was expecting the same with Princess. Now, uh, at Half Occupancy, they didn't need to open all of the food stations. But for some inexplicable reason, they used velvet ropes to section off half of the pass-through areas uh, in, in each of the corridors of the buffet area, uh, which I thought was a little odd. Don't do that. You, you, you disrupt the flow and the food was served on sometimes both sides of the velvet rope and it was a mirror image of what one had versus the other also they have a section called the pastry shop uh shortly after you enter where, where all the desserts were and i noticed they made very few desserts however the desserts they had an offer were a distinct quality and flavor palette better than anything I would have seen on Norwegian and certainly better than Royal. Uh, where else are you gonna find hazelnut eclairs uh, for on embarkation day in a buffet? And, and then other things like panna cottas and I forget all but else. Now the buffet on Princess skewed more towards specialty European dining. For example, I saw a Serbian stew of some sort or uh, a Serbian meat soup. I forget what exactly what was in it. Uh, 
and less on things like Indian cuisine, because when you're on a Norwegian ship, you've got a section of the buffet that's solely for Indian. It's called Taste of India. And there you have your chutneys, your non breads, your tandoori chickens, and, and various vegetarian and non-vegetarian entrees. Well, Princess didn't do that. Uh, and I think they, they designed their buffet and with offerings based on what they know their clientele like. Uh, so that I thought that was a little, I thought that was a little different. Uh, but the, the food was, the food was certainly fine. Uh, the, the desserts were where the buffet shined, in, in my opinion. However, I, I think they need to work the kinks of how the flow of the buffet should be, even on reduced occupancy. Um, th that, was, that was my takeaway. Uh, and if that's a stumble, that's just a, that's a small stumble that can easily be fixed, because the rest of the experience was not like that. The rest of the experience was very, very fine. That's interesting. I'm, I'm sure, you know, probably that had to do with the you know, the occupancy and just trying to control, mm -hmm. you know, due to COVID. Um, so hopefully in the, you know, near future, as we get past this, it'll start, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure they've probably had complaints about that, you know, um, mm -hmm. but what, what kind of stateroom did you have? What, what stateroom we did you book? We were in a balcony stateroom on the 14th floor starboard side. So our view was of the bucolic industrial splendor of the port, <laughs> not, not the, uh, the, the, uh, the bay side of the port overlooking the beautiful condo buildings and the, the, the yacht slips and things like that. So uh, the view at the port wasn't, wasn't the greatest for us, but that's okay. The room, uh, when you enter a princess stateroom, and I noticed this from videos that I'd seen, uh, as soon as you walk in your room, if you hang a right, and there you're in a walk-in closet. Half of it is walk-in closet and the other half is the entrance into the restroom. And the bathroom used a shower curtain as opposed to the glass, uh, the glass uh, enclosure for the shower, which I thought was a little interesting. That's a throwback to the old ways of doing it. Uh, but the bathroom was roomy, uh, shower worked great. Um, uh, you just had to be careful to, with, the, with, with angling the shower wand so that it didn't, um, rain the water uh, through the shower, past the shower curtain onto the floor. Uh, but uh, it was a, a very nice bathroom, um, nice, uh, nice lighting, uh, decent quality shampoo and shower gels. Uh, the the walk-in closet was much appreciated. Uh, that night I emptied my suitcase, hung up my you know, trousers and button-down shirts and lots of cubby spaces for, you know, the other garments and your shoes and, uh, and a decent size safe. Uh, and then uh, when you enter the room, you've got uh, the bed that can either stay as a single queen or separate into two twins. Now, the, those were the most comfortable beds I have ever slept on on a cruise ship, far and away. Uh, it's almost like they have a pillow topping, a pillow top mattress. Uh, so very, very mushy, uh, very, very soft. I, I could easily sleep on them. And then our balcony was very roomy. Um, I think just based on where we were at, being on deck 14, uh, it, it was at, at very close to the elevator bank. So our, our decks had a little bit more depth to them. Uh, so there's plenty of room to enjoy ourselves uh, out there on the deck. Um, and the other thing is I mentioned when we boarded the ship, I noticed the warm, light brown patterns. That's what the walls are like in the staterooms and also in the hallways. Now, the corridors, when you're getting from the elevators to the staterooms, are much wider than what I noticed you would find on a princess or, I'm sorry, a Royal Caribbean or a Norwegian vessel. That was much appreciated because now you weren't squeezing past strangers in the hall and you had plenty of room to take your, your suitcases uh, to your stateroom or, or whatnot. Uh, and then uh, the light color pattern um, 
I thought it was extremely soothing and just a nod to its understated elegance that you are here to be on a vacation, you are here to relax, and we're putting you in the mood of you are now in a very regal place. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about, I mean, one of the things that people want to talk about is what was the nightlife like entertainment wise? We've right. eaten the food, we've drank, we, we've, we've been in the cabin. Now we want to go out and have some fun. What, mm-hmm. did we, what, what did the Sky Princess offer? Just real quick in a nutshell, yep. how were the shows? What did you think? Uh, the show we shot, we saw was called Rock Opera, which was more of a musical uh, or just a, 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 a lineup of different songs. It, it really didn't have a plot to it, but it came very highly recommended. The singing was fantastic and it was backed up by a band. It was in the Princess Theater. Uh, that was well done. It was only a 45 minute show. So we weren't, you know, you, you, you didn't have to worry about your foot falling or your legs falling asleep in the, in the, in the theater chairs. And as far as nightlife goes, well, it's a more subdued ship than what you find on say the encore or symphony of the seas. Uh, you don't really have the nightclubs with the loud band, uh, but what you do have is something called take five, which is the jazz club on deck six, uh, with a, and in there was a jazz band from Montreal and they were outstanding. Uh, also they have in the central atrium, sometimes a jazz piece, uh, a, a little jazz combo band plays, or they'll even have a, um, a couple of ladies uh, playing violins uh, and then backed up by a track of various chamber music of uh, Baroque music and uh, Romantic era classical music, which personally, I really appreciated. I love both jazz and classical music. So uh, it was very elegant. And then people were, when the, when the, uh, the chamber band, the chamber orchestra was playing, uh, people were dancing in Argentine tango. And these were guests dancing in Argentine tango, not hired help on the cruise line. Wow. Uh, so that's what I saw. And so it's it, it's a quieter ship than I would have seen on Royal or on Norwegian because there's no live salsa band playing at one of the venues and there isn't a rock band playing, playing in another venue. How was the demographic? What kind of, what, what was the demographic that you saw on board? These were a lot of repeat loyal princess cruisers. Uh, almost everyone that was on that ship had had some sort of princess experience before. And some of them had been sailing on princess for maybe 10, 15 years and were very familiar with the line, won't consider anybody else. So there's a lot of brand loyalty there. Uh, They know what the princess is like. And now you said the demographic. Uh, It was actually quite similar to what I saw on... uh, um, on both Royal and on Norwegian. You've got some young couples, you've got some middle-aged couples and elderly couples and even families with small children. So, uh, you know, so you had a little bit of everything, but all of it at the same time together, these were folks that were there, they were more genteel. They were, they were, uh, it was a quieter, less rambunctious crowd than what you might've found on the encore where you've got the eighties parties, the glow parties and, and, you know, people are not afraid to let loose. Uh, so it was, um, it was much more, it was a quieter crowd. I would say it's like, it's an introvert's dream come true. That's what the prince's experience is like. <laughs> That's interesting. You, you do well if, if you're, if you're the type of person who wants an elevated experience versus the, um, the laid back free for all of a mainstream cruise experience. Uh, and you, and, and you don't mind seeing some youngsters, but youngster that, that, that behave. <laughs> uh, you've the princess is the thing for you. Uh, also at night, I saw what they did is they took the towels off and then put a special, uh, special padding on complete with a throw blanket for the movies under the stars. This is something princess, uh, 
that Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Princess pioneered this on the Caribbean Princess and the Grand Princess way back in the mid-2000s, the giant Jumbotron, and they would show movies under the stars at night from at the pool deck. Uh, no, that, yeah, the that's definitely something that they, they, they did, and quickly mm -hmm. the other cruise lines picked it up, yeah. It's right. definitely so, fun to, to watch that. Actually, Caribbean Princess was the, the first one to do it. Oh, for it was? Okay. So, well, they certainly did that. And one of Michael's favorite movies, The Martian, with um, Matt Del Damon, I think, uh, was playing. And, of course, he wanted to go up there to watch the movie. So, you know, <laughs> you know I'd be a lousy dad if I didn't go up there to watch the movie with my son. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so that that was nice. One thing that the ship had, the the captain of the ship was Michele Tuvo. And apparently, he's got a bit of a reputation among Princess Cruisers, uh, be, uh, being kind of a, a funny guy. And also the way he signs off, um, he would do his introductions like welcome aboard to everybody, you know, over the broadcasting. And after he would say, you know, we're about to let go of the ropes and sail out of port or, or whatever, whatever you need to tell us to keep us informed. He would then sign off by saying bye bye in a really high pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and he has the reputation of being called Captain Bye Bye because of that. Uh, he was a very friendly guy who looked a little like Captain Steubing, you know, the old character from The Love Boat. Michael got to meet him. He's a great guy. Uh, very nice captain. The other thing Princess does is when they're getting ready to pull out of port in Fort Lauderdale, they blare the horn. But this is no ordinary cruise horn. The cruise horn plays the Love Boat theme. So you hear, and it goes through a couple stanzas of the of the Love Boat theme song. And so you're not expecting it. It's it's uh, it's it's a fun treat. The captain was also not above going into horn wars. Uh, when we were in Nassau, for example, Holland America had a ship docked next to us and they pulled out of port before we did. Well, they let out their horn that they were leaving. Uh, captain Tuo didn't miss a beat and he, and he blared the Princess Love Boat theme horn. Well, that's a nice ode to uh, to the to yep. the love princess for sure. Yeah, and so. um, you, you know, I know yeah. um, people will sail a, a specific itineraries just to follow uh, the captain. So I'm sure he oh. has a nice little following. I think he does. Uh, uh, I don't know how long he's going to stay on Sky Princess or if he's going to transfer to the new Discovery Princess, which is, I think, coming out later this year, which is the last build of this particular ship, the Royal Class, I think is what it is, Chris. And the Discovery Princess is going to be doing um, Mexican Riviera sailings. That is the, um, the classic penultimate princess experience out of Long Beach or L.A., down to you know Ensenada, Cabo, Mazatlan, Acapulco, Puerto Vallarta, uh, just like they did the filming of the logo back in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties. So you know, like I said, for the for the folks who a princess is uh, is is an introvert's dream come true. For the people who want to be on a ship but not have the that not have the wild razzle dazzle of like you find on a mainstream cruise line. Oh, it's the perfect fit for you. Oh, is it ever? You're going to relax on Princess. You will be well taken care of. The drinks are poured very generously. Uh, and oh, you said something about the uh, the inclusive nature, Chris, of the of the of the Princess sailing, and that's exactly what this was. Uh, in our fare was bundled the premium drinks package as well as uh, a generous uh, internet package for both one for Michael and one for myself. Uh, I was I was not nickel and dimed on this ship at all. Uh, the only the only expense really. Aside from the uh, shore excursions was the thermal suite in the Lotus Spa, which is a very relaxing thermal suite. It's called the Enclave, and it's right on deck five, uh, right by the elevator bank. 
I love this. This was great. I loved hearing uh, Boots on the Ground, what's going on. It sounds like you really love the Sky Princess, which is great because we always have people asking about her. And uh, Princess has been a, a strong, uh, her Alaska product is fantastic. But I we have got to say, save some for our next podcast with you, which will be very yes. soon. And so we are going to say once again, Mark, thank you so much for coming in and, and sharing your experience. Tomorrow. You're welcome. Yep. Always a pleasure. This was great. I love when you come on because you always have a lot to say. You're very knowledgeable. Like I said, you. you're you're an avid traveler, avid cruiser. I'm mm-hmm. excited to have you on again. I know um yep. you're you're gonna be going on Ozamara yes. um, in May. So we will be um we're going to, we'll probably, our next episode, we'll have you talk about that right. before you go. And then we'll obviously talk about it afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. But it was amazing having you on our podcast again, Mark. Thank you thank so you. much for taking the time. Guys, if you are listening and have questions, actually, Mark is going to be featured on our website. Um, so go to goluxurycruiser.com. He's going to be hosting um, cruise experiences as well um, again regular so check us out there if you have any questions about cruises in the meantime you Mm -hmm. know visit us on our website you can send us a uh an email info at goluxurycruiser.com or give us a call 1-888-404-5531 again mark thank you so much this was awesome Thanks for listening to the Go Luxury Cruiser podcast with Tamoy Thelwell and Chris DeBonis. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. If you found value in our show, we'd appreciate your rating. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Go Luxury Cruiser. Have questions about cruising or a destination? Visit our website, www.goluxurycruiser.com for trending cruise and travel information. Or schedule a free consultation to discuss your future cruise and travel plans. Until next time, happy sailing.